Well, hello, and welcome to this new episode of Head and Heart by Probe Ministries. I'm your host today, Paul Rutherford, Research Associate with Probe Ministries. We are a ministry to help believers think biblically. The other six days of the week, I like to say we're an equipping apologetics ministry. You can find out more information about us at our website, probe.org. That's P-R-O-B-E dot O-R-G. And today, we're going to be talking about loneliness. And we want you to know that there's hope for loneliness in the Bible. And I'm going to be having a conversation with my esteemed colleague and coworker of many years, Dr. Ray Bolin. Glad to be with you, Paul. Dr. Ray, Dr. Bolin, thanks for being here. Thanks sure. for um, sitting with me and talking with me for a few minutes about uh, this issue. It's a, it's a really, um, it's a really needed issue. Mm-hmm. It's I, I'm not going to call it hot button. I don't know if it's really contested, but it's real uh, near and dear to the hearts of people who struggle, people who do mm-hmm. feel lonely, and one of the reasons. I, I think it's beneficial to talk about it right now. Probably three reasons. And the first of which is the holiday season. And <laughs> yes. a lot of people find loneliness is, gets worse in the holiday sure. season. Uh, people are comparing themselves to others or to family, or maybe you don't have family. Maybe you have a, um, a difficult relationship in your family. It just, the holidays seem to just heighten sense mm-hmm. of loneliness. We're also uh, struggling with a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. And lots of people everywhere have been told to be stay home and don't gather with others. And on top of an already, you know, the, our, our culture has been struggling with mental illness, depression, isolation, mm-hmm. anxiety. Those numbers are skyrocketing, especially among teenagers. So all that to set up this conversation, why this is important, Dr. Bolin, in terms of it was already an issue, say, a year ago. And then during mm-hmm. this past year, we've seen mm-hmm. the pandemic happen. So, Dr. Bowen, I really want to give our listeners some hope, for yeah. especially for the one who's struggling. I want to think about that person, how we can encourage them uh, and build them up and help them think more biblically about themselves and their emotional health and their, the state of their soul and their spirit and all those kinds of things. That's what we want to talk about today. We're not a counseling ministry. This is typically something you hear from counselors, but it does have crossover with what we do in terms mm-hmm. of worldview and apologetics, and because it affects how we think, mm-hmm. right? right. Our, how we think totally affects our soul and our spirit, and that's really, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll part out with the first statement on this topic we're talking about today. I think it's primarily a mental thing. I think it's mm-hmm. primarily a spiritual mental. What you believe about reality, yeah. I mean, maybe we can talk about this for the next few minutes, but I, I think ultimately it comes down to what you believe. Like what you, what you believe about who you are mm-hmm. and who God is, is what puts you in a place of depression or loneliness or anxiety. Ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to. It's a spiritual problem. Yeah. And that's really, that's the spiritual solution. There are mm-hmm. other solutions in other parts. It's a complex problem. I don't want to oversimplify it. But ultimately, that's what I, th- I think it's what it boils down to. So maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about that a little bit more. But sure. Dr. Bolin, you've been on the program before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about climate change. Yeah. So glad to have you on that. That was so great. I've already gotten great feedback. On, on that episode. We have another one in the books on that one, don't we? That one's yeah. going to be coming up. That one should be listener. Uh, stay tuned. If you didn't get enough of that climate change, we're going to have some more for you on that. Why don't you talk for just a moment, and for some, maybe we have a new listener who hasn't heard you before. Why don't okay. you give them a brief bio on yourself? Who are you around here, and what do you do, and what's your background? Sure. Well, I've been around here a long time. Uh, my yes, wife and have. I, Sue, came to Probe Ministry in 1975. And so we've been here 45 years, and I like to refer to myself sometimes as the science guy here. Uh, all of my education is in biology up to the Ph.D. level, and so I address the issues of creation, evolution, genetic engineering, uh, again, climate change yeah. because of the science, the science background. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that's kind of my my niche around here. Yeah, great. I guess this will maybe transition to our into our first point, which is we want to give you an overview. We we what we want to talk about today is a little bit of uh, Doctor Bolin has something to share with us in terms of his own struggle with loneliness. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to talk about that in the wider context of the global pandemic, and mm-hmm. then we're also going to talk about really what Scripture offers. So those yeah. are kind of our three big points. We're gonna we're gonna go on today. Hopefully, we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that already sets that up. So, Doctor okay. Bowen, how this is something that's personal for you, yeah, right? Tell us, tell us about that. Well, I've always been the introvert type, and we go to a, a gathering, my wife and I, and she's just Brett. <laughs> well, going around, I, I listen for her laugh to, to try to find out where she is. You know, she has a great laugh. Um, me, I tend to to sit or stand on the on the periphery of things, and if somebody wants to talk to me, great. But I'm usually not the one to initiate conversations. So I've always known that. You're about, an introvert. Always known that about myself. Yeah. So I have a tendency to be to isolate and not be around people. And but when I was president of Probe uh, between 2003 and 2012. Uh, we made some changes here, and uh, I allowed myself to get caught up into doing most of it myself and not really trusting God, asking God for direction, uh, strength, uh, peace about things. And it brought me to a point where I was just really, really stressed. Mm. And there was an article in the Sunday newspaper uh, about men and stress. And so I read through it, and at the bottom there was a, a list of symptoms and as I go down the list, oh, that one, that one, hmm. oh, I got that, oh, I got that, I got that one too. Hmm. You know, I started getting a little concerned. Yeah. So I went to see, I went to see my doctor, and uh, she immediately prescribed antidepressants. When I got back to see her, and I also started had started counseling. She recommended. I, I waited about a year before starting counseling. Uh, I just didn't think I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> Chemicals will do it, and I'll I'll be fine. But. When I came back to see her again to give a report, mm-hmm. um, she said, Ray, I knew you were depressed because at the end of every sentence there was a sigh. I had no idea. Mm. I, I hadn't noticed that whatsoever. Mm. And so, of course, we're bringing in this issue of antidepressants. And I know Christian leaders uh, who are opposed to that sort of chemical interference. But as a scientist, what I understand is that what happens when you're deeply depressed, there's a change in your brain chemistry. And certain chemicals are not being produced normally, and that, that leads to that severe isolation, severe depression. For some people, it gets so bad that they can't even get out of bed in the morning, mm. uh, can't, can't face the day. And to me, the antidepressants are simply a God-given pill, if you will, to get through the day. Antidepressants do not make you happy, joyful, giddy. Um, what they do is enables you to get through your day hmm. and releases the crippling aspect of, of depression. Hmm. And so that's part of what part of my story here. So I've I've gone through the counseling has pointed out also, you know, that uh, well I, I look at the world and people differently than most <laughs> most people do. Okay. <laughs> and uh, if I can make things look worse inside my own head, I will. I see. If I if I receive a compliment, uh, I'll I'll smile and accept it. And but when I kind of get in the car, I'm heading home. I'm by myself. I start thinking. Well, they want just wanted to say something nice. Uh, had to say something, you know, just being kind, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I will depress myself <laughs> on my own. <laughs> 
<laughs> in that sense. So I never had a, a, a real problem with it until all this stress came up and uh, I needed I needed some help. Yeah. So, all right, so one of the key things I hear you saying here, Dr. Bowen, is that it's okay to take antidepressants. Yeah. Absolutely. It's okay to, to go to your doctor and talk to your mm-hmm. doctor. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, listener, if, if you're concerned about this and you think this might be an issue for you, maybe that's your next step right mm-hmm. now is to book an appointment with your doctor and, and talk to your doctor about it. And also, uh, Christian, I, I think we also want to just w- – w- how would you put this, Dr. Mullen? Give you permission. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to do this. Yeah. There, There's nothing in Scripture that prohibits this that says nope. this is sin. I mean, if, if you have a headache, what do you do? You take I aspirin. aspirin. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. If if you have an infection, you take antibiotic. Uh, we're putting chemicals in our bodies all the time, and if you want to take that sort of stance that antidepressants are the wrong approach, it should be a, a completely spiritual approach to the problem. Well, then you're you're not allowed to take anything mm. in that context. If you followed that same logic, uh, you end up no aspirin, no no antibiotic, no none of that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So you raise an interesting point there in terms of if you want to, if you see it as a spiritual problem, which I've already said, mm-hmm. I, I think so, and I don't think you would disagree no. with that. But I think what you're saying is, if you look at as strictly a spiritual problem and ignore the physical, mm-hmm. you may be ignoring an avenue to help you, yeah, get out of the situation. Absolutely, cool. Yeah. The other thing I, I think, uh, not to play what's the word, devil's advocate, but <laughs> to take a. Uh, What's the sports analogy? I'm horrible with sports analogies. <laughs> to score a touchdown in the wrong direction. Okay. <laughs> uh, to take the advice and go go the wrong way with it, which is I think some people are concerned about taking medications because they don't want to form a, uh, another dependency. They yeah. don't want to form a dependency yeah. on the drug. What if you're taking that drug the rest of your life? What would you say to that? Is that is that okay to get on a drug and then be addicted to it the rest of your life? Well, it's not that you get addicted to it. I've gone off the antidepressants a few times just to kind of see where I'm at and it's there's no craving for it. What I experience simply is um, I get angry a little easier, a little higher degree of, of anger and I, I just I tend to be not a nice person to be around. And so, a extra grumpy, <laughs> grumpy, extra grumpy, yeah. And so, if the antidepressant simply simply evens that out, like I said, there's no craving for it. And so, I, th- I think it's different. It's not an addiction. It's not. No. Okay. Great. Th- th- thanks for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing this. How this uh, this has affected your life. Clearly, you have skin in the game in, in this and it's really beneficial i hope it's i'm encouraged i hope you you're encouraged listener what about the context of today it's what have you seen lately that has made it worse in terms of the pandemic and the and the, the isolation from the shutdown and all that well we know that the rates of suicide are going up we know the rates of spousal abuse are going up people are simply stressed that Drive to work is not there. That interacting with uh, yeah. coworkers is not there. Your family or yourself or your roommates or your wife, whatever, you're spending a whole lot more time together than you ever did. And that tends to increase the uh, observation of differences of opinion, don't like the way you think about this, and the stress level just goes up. Yeah, People talk about... Uh, I had to teach some classes by Zoom last year, and I'm doing some of them again this year. There is a very real thing called Zoom fatigue. Yes, uh, ordinar- no, it- Ordinarily in a classroom, you are unconsciously observing everyone in the class. 
and you're picking up cues and and is this person with me and that sort of thing and you're not even conscious of it but when you're looking at a screen and you've got eight people on the screen you can't do that you're having to look at each person to try to ascertain are they with me are they understanding this and it wears the brain out it just does and i've experienced it i had days where i had three zoom classes in a row and then i'd have another one in the afternoon in the early afternoon (laughs) i was done i was done by the end of the day i believe that covid fatigue people are tired of wearing masks people are tired of having this just keep socially distant they can't shake hands or or they can't give a hug whatever or somebody doesn't want to receive a hug you know it we're tired of it just are and some people are rebelling against some of these restrictions (laughs) You know, the fitness center I, I use uh, has a strict policy, mask wearing all the time, mm-hmm. even when you're on an aerobic machine like an elliptical. Huh. An aerobic one. <laughs> all the time. And then you see some people who just walk around without it. Oh, okay. And I've reported that a few times. Okay. <laughs> because, because the concern is not so much for my health, but if some health official were to visit the fitness center and found several people walking around without masks, that could close down. Yikes. And now you, you affect hundreds of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so so these these behaviors that are characteristically human, shaking yeah. hands, yeah. hugging each other, mm-hmm. being physically close with mm-hmm. one another, these form a critical part of of how we feel connected yeah, with each other. Yeah. And one of the big problems with loneliness or depression or stress anxiety is that we feel isolated, right? That we feel alone. Right. And so what I hear you saying is right now in the season of uh, isolation lockdown because of quarantine, because of COVID-19 and the this global pandemic is these typical behaviors are not we're not engaging in them. We're being asked to to pause mm-hmm. momentarily yeah. for it, yeah. which is understandable in order to a- accomplish a good goal, which mm-hmm. is slowing the spread of this disease of this virus. But it also for for those for mm-hmm. those who are struggling with loneliness or depression, it makes it even worse. It's got to be even tougher. The isolation even becomes tougher. almost mandated. I know we have um, the holidays and. Uh, a lot of people don't know how they're going to handle that. What kind of gathering can we have? Can we put food out yeah. in a buffet style, uh-huh. but then everybody is touching the same spoon? I mean, there's all sorts of things you could stress out about. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Even even that in the context of treating your loneliness because of being with people, but that poses other questions that we haven't really dealt with before. Yeah. This is all new to everybody. Right. So the isolation and the loneliness and sometimes the depression, even with the seasonal affective disorder, uh, people just... SAD. Yes, SAD. Get to the uh, holidays and, wh- and the winter when there's not that much daylight anymore. Right. And it's dark most of the time and uh, it can be worse. Yeah. So... All right, so we're we're basically two points in on this conversation today with my colleague Dr. Ray Bolin on loneliness, which has uh, tangentially related to anxiety, mm-hmm. stress, uh, depression, worry, fear. All all these are related ideas that we're we're talking about. And you already shared your story mm-hmm. with your own struggle with uh, just self reliance leading to loneliness and depression, mm-hmm. and then your own talk about how you have treated it and gone to your doctor mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And we've also talked about the global pandemics. We, we've hit our, our two first two big points, but listener, don't uh, don't be discouraged. <laughs> uh, Doctor Bowen's very articulate and he's very good at describing the problem, but I don't want you to feel more discouraged because <laughs> there's hope. Hold on. 
hold on, there's more, there's hope. He has a lot to say about how to treat it, how to deal with it, how to respond to it, and why you can be hopeful. Mm -hmm. And even if you struggle with it, uh, and it is, uh, uh, not to oversimplify it, it's, uh, being hopeful doesn't mean that you're fixed, doesn't mean that you're Mm -hmm. solved, and it doesn't mean that you suddenly don't struggle with loneliness or you're suddenly not depressed anymore Mm -hmm. tomorrow because you did what Dr. Boland said today. That's, I, I, yeah. I don't want to cut nope. you off, Dr. Bowen, nope. but I'm guessing that's not yeah. what you're going to yeah. say. It's more complicated than that. But you can still have hope in the midst of difficulty. Mm-hmm. I think that, that theme is replete throughout the scriptures. I know a couple of things that you want to talk about, Dr. Yeah. Bowen, and uh, address those issues. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't you tell us about how the Word can offer hope to us who are lonely or depressed? Well, there's a couple of things. We'll uh, get to them in turn. But the first one is you need to feel free to simply cry out to God. Explain to him how you're feeling. Verbalize it out loud. God, I'm I'm lonely. Uh, Where are you? Uh, How do I engage in your presence? Uh, What does it even look like or feel like? I just feel so alone and uh, depressed, and nobody in my family seems to have any idea how I feel. I put a good face on all the time. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73. And I use it primarily on, in my talk on the problem of evil. Okay. Because in this psalm, uh, basically Asaph, it's the first of 11 psalms by Asaph. And he's mad. He's, he's upset. He looks okay. at the uh, success of the wicked, their wealth, their uh, extravagance, um, their violence at times. And he's just upset. And he goes through... I use it to express to students particularly that don't be afraid to tell God how angry you are. First of all, he already knows you're angry. So if you try to cover up with flowery words, you're not hiding anything. So just express it. Get it out. Verbalize it if you have to. And I think it's the same thing with loneliness and depression. And many times uh, in in the scriptures, people just cry out to God. But we all ordinarily don't really think, how do I do that? Well, Psalm 73, I think, is a good illustration. He starts out, I think, very <laughs> empathically, certainly God is good to Israel and to those whose whose motives are pure. <laughs> and I kind of think he's kind of reassuring himself here <laughs> because things don't look so good, at, as you see for the next 11 verses. The next 11 verses are a long rant against the wealthy and the wicked and, and all of that. And and he says in verse 2, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My feet almost slid out from under me. And it can feel that way when you're lonely. There's nobody here but me. And nobody's helping me. Nobody's reaching out to me. I don't Mm -hmm. have that many friends. Mm -hmm. Um, My feet can almost slip. Well, he goes on about the proud, and they're they're strong, they're well-fed, uh, they're immune to trouble. Arrogance, he says, is their necklace, and uh, they mock and say evil things. And sometimes an introvert can look at the extrovert and be envious. Yeah. It seems so easy mm-hmm. for you. I'm married to an extrovert. <laughs> yes, and, you are. Yeah, and... Uh, she never has any lack of friends to talk to, uh, messages to answer, phone calls, um, Facebook communication, whatever, and meetings, and she's always the life of the party. In fact, she yeah. likes to call herself God's party girl. <laughs> she does. So, And that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> right. But I don't get envious of that. I mean, we've been married for 46 years, and um, we're accustomed to who we are, <laughs> but sometimes... 
if it's coming from outside your normal circle of things, you can be envious of people like that. And I, th- yeah, I think sure. in some way that that's what Asaph is here. He's envious. And in, in some sense, he says in verse 11, is the sovereign one even aware of what goes on? Does he even is he even paying attention? Is he paying attention to me? I'm so lonely. I'm so isolated. Is God even paying attention to me? And so he starts though in verse thirteen. He starts to take a different perspective. What he says there is, I concluded, surely in vain I have kept my motives pure and maintained a pure lifestyle. He says, surely in vain. Look at the wicked. They're prospering. And what's happening to me? I got nothing. And we can feel that way when we're lonely and depressed. Mm-hmm. There's all, it seems that like everybody, everybody else around me seems to be doing just fine. What's the matter with me? What's my problem? Mm-hmm. And verse 14, I suffer all day long. Loneliness is suffering. Depression is suffering. And I'm punished every morning. Some people who are so d- deeply depressed, they really can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. So I see some real parallels here. But verse 16, he turns a corner a bit. He says, when I tried to make sense of this, it was troubling to me. And it can seem that way when you're lonely and depressed. Mm -hmm. But verse 17, then I entered the precincts of God's temple, or other translations say, I entered God's presence in the temple. And that's the key. He began to see things differently when he got into God's presence. Hmm. And he said, I understood the destiny of the wicked. And he goes on to say their final destiny. But I want to skip down to verse 21. Focus on his own situation. He says, yes, my spirit was bitter and my insides felt sharp pain. Loneliness and depression can feel that way sometimes. A sharp pain. It goes on in verse 22. I was ignorant and lacked insight. I was as senseless as an animal before you. He's simply recognizing that now that he's gotten into God's presence, he's been missing the whole thing. I've been missing the point. Hmm. What the point is, he goes on 23, but I am continually with you, God, he means, and you hold my right hand. That's a very powerful statement. Mm. I am continually with you. And then he says, God is holding my right hand. That's that's a very tender association, being held by my right hand. And what I want to bring out here is that his perspective changed when he understood he was in the presence of God. And he was able to get to a point where he was experiencing that presence and not just it was head knowledge. Uh, my problem through most of my Christian life is that I've accumulated a lot of head knowledge. But the connection between the head and heart was never that good. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have to be able to understand that God is always with us. And we may not sense that he's there. But sometimes when you're in the midst of loneliness and depression, you simply have to ask God, where are you? Help me help me see what you're doing. Help me understand my own situation. Help bring people around me. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I need help. Yeah. Uh, the first step, as we said, go see your doctor. Maybe you need uh, some medication. Yeah, but a key thing I hear you saying, I mean, you said a lot of really key mm-hmm. things there, Dr. Bowen, that, that I, some of which I want to repeat because okay. they bear repeating. But when we look at Psalm 73 here, and we take this as a parallel of someone who's struggling, as Asaph was, with God's goodness and struggling mm-hmm. with suffering himself yeah and feeling as though 
in some ways, God is depriving him yeah. of blessing or taking care of him. Or God's not, abandoning me. <laughs> uh, abandoning him. Yes, thank you. This can be a parallel for those of us who struggle with loneliness yeah. or depression. And the key thing, you said the turn happens in, what, verse 16, 17? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the key was, is focusing on God's presence. Mm-hmm. Being in God's presence. Being God's mindful mm-hmm. and aware yeah. that God is with you. Yeah. That, that That is one key to, to turning your perspective and turning your understanding and turning how you're seeing it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I love I love the language that the psalmist uses. Yeah. As you pointed out in, um, what is it, 20, 22, 21? No, 23, that he's always with you. I'm with you, I, I, yeah. I'm with you Dr. Bull, and that What an yeah. incredible statement that mm-hmm. God is always with him, yeah. us, mm-hmm. those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then further, I think you well pointed out as well in the second half of, tw- of verse 23, you hold my right hand. Yeah. What a tender yeah. picture of how yeah. God loves us. As an adult, he's holding my hand. <laughs> That's precious. Yeah. That's so sweet. You're a dad. Yeah. You have kids. Mm-hmm. I'm a dad. I have kids. I, mm-hmm. I know what it's like as a dad to hold my kid's hand and how much I love yeah. my kids. And that's, that's, that's instructive for me as a believer in Jesus to think about how God loves me. Yeah. It's to think about how I love my kids and, and, and meditate in that moment and allow my heart the space to think, that's exactly how God loves me. That's mm-hmm. how he feels about me. Yeah. Which I resonate with you. I, I struggle with that myself. I, I tend to find my value or I, I tend to think that God likes me because I'm good enough, yeah. I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> to quote that old <laughs> SNL sketch, which I love so much and is so funny. But uh, that's my tendency. That's where I tend to go is to think that that's really what it is. But it, it's not. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. find that in the Word. In fact, I was reading in Romans 4 just this morning that our salvation, our, our righteousness mm-hmm. is not earned by us. Right. In fact, Paul's talking in Romans 4 about Abraham in particular. Mm-hmm. Was, was Abraham just because he obeyed the law? Mm-hmm. Paul goes on to point out, no, absolutely <laughs> not. He's just because he had Faith. Yeah. It's his faith that, that makes him right before the Lord. And I know I'm on a bit of a tangent. That's not what we're talking about here, but we are talking about relationship with God and we are talking about entering his presence. And, uh, and what I'm saying is that I tend to think that I earn that by my own striving, by my own doing, by my own performance. But that's, that's a lie. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the scripture says that that's a lie, but mm-hmm. that's where my flesh goes. That's where my head and my, my heart both mm-hmm. wake up every morning. I'm thinking, man, that's exactly where I need to be. But, uh, it's, it's not. It's a lie. Like, that's just my flesh and my pride mm-hmm. rising up within me. And that's why I need the Word every day to constantly transform me by the renewing of my mind. Romans 12, founding verse for us yeah. here at Probe. You know, uh, you, you mentioned uh, a few things there that I want to piggyback on a little bit. By faith. When you're lonely and depressed, you don't sense God's presence. And there, it's by faith. That you have God's that God's presence with you, uh, you see it in the Word. Uh, you, you see it here in Psalm seventy-three at the end of it. And sometimes you just have to take it by faith that He is there, and He does care, and He does love you. My wife knows of of a young lady who uh, prayed for six months daily. God, show me Your love for me, mm. and she had to keep repeating it day by day for six months. And sometimes we have to be diligent. We have to be persistent. And persevere, and we don't like that. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's hard. We we don't like that. Um, we want to if, if we offer up a prayer, God, show me your presence. Oh, he didn't answer it. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. That that 
that, that that's not helping. No. Um, and so we have to be aware of that too. Sometimes it will take persistence. Thing, things aren't going to get better all at once. Um, no, it's a complex problem. Yeah. Um, but I want to go on with Psalm 73. In verse 24, he says, You guide me by your wise advice, and then you will lead me to a position of honor. Where does that advice come from? It comes from the Word of God. A good place for someone who's feeling depression and loneliness are, are the Psalms. You have many instances where the Psalms of David, he's stressed, he's worn out, he's being chased, and yet he still is able to abide in God, and that's enough. Mm. That's where we want to get to. And that's what Asaph comes to. Uh, He says in verse 25, Whom do I have in heaven but you? I desire no one but you on earth. Mm. Wow. That's being aware of God's presence. I desire no one else but you. Yeah, that's a statement of faith. Um, Goes down in verse 28, But as for me, God's presence is all I need. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it is. Most of us don't experience that. But that's sort of the sort of end goal in the season of loneliness and depression. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to pursue. And another a verse that I've been off and on memorizing mm-hmm. comes from Ephesians 3, and I mentioned the head-heart problem that I have. Um, yeah, a lot of us have it, myself included, <laughs> for sure. In, in Ephesians 3, verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory. And he's got a lot of that. (laughs) I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's that word again, faith. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. Faith, it's showing up again. Yep. So that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, I was going to go on here with love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. And he's talking about love here. And thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's the phrase that always gets me. Does it? Which phrase? Um, The love of God surpasses knowledge. Mm. And he's talking here about how wide it is and how deep it is and how long and how and all those things. And we can't even imagine, honestly, from the scriptures how much God truly does love us. But there are seasons when we don't sense that yeah. and we feel isolated and we feel mm-hmm. uh, put off and God doesn't care for me anymore. God doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always For me, it's always been a difficult transition to make. I know that God loves me. Scripture says that. Yeah, that's clear. But does he really like me? <laughs> Different question. <laughs> Different question. Important question. Different question. <laughs> My counselor likes to say, right, God's crazy about you. <laughs> and that's a, a difficult uh, transition for me to make. But what it comes down to for me from the scriptures here is that we need to be actively seeking God's presence or or to experience God's presence. He's there. He's with me. We take it by faith. He dwells in our heart through faith. Uh, his love is is endless, boundless. But as I say, there are seasons when we don't really experience it. But that's what we need to be pursuing. Primarily. Yeah. So what I hear you saying then, for, for those of us who struggle with loneliness, depression, anxiety, is to actively pursue mm-hmm. experiencing God's presence. Right. Right. So uh, owing to the distinction that 
Paul points out in Ephesians three there that it's it's more than just a, a knowing. It's more right. than just a profession of facts. Right. I believe that God yeah. is. I believe that He loves me, and I believe He's with me. It's a kind of a mindful meditation mm-hmm. of an emotional awareness that He's with you, yeah. and that He loves you, and that He cares yeah. for you. It's uh, it's an acceptance of that fact in your heart, and, and of letting it sink in, and experiencing, as you as you put it, experiencing God's presence mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. And that's one way to to combat the loneliness, one way mm-hmm. to combat the depression. And in that way, really let the truth, which has been declared in the Word, and for people like yourself who already know it in your head, for it to affect your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I hear you saying. And sometimes it takes discipline of... of actually isolating further in the sense that you take some time an hour or two i like to go outdoors when the weather's uh, pleasant and just sit maybe have my bible with me um maybe just listen to christian music and just give god an opportunity to speak Mm. yeah that sounds that sounds to me like a word i'm gonna offer a word mm -hmm. solitude yeah practicing the biblical Mm -hmm. the spiritual discipline of solitude we're very good at talking we're very good at talking to god we're not very good at listening. <laughs> mm. I I I can back that. That's true yeah. for me. Yeah. I can say that that much is true for me. And so we well, need to practice practice listening. Great. So, Doctor Boland, when we think about uh, any any other next steps for our listener, any action steps they could take, uh, what else might you say? Well, there's one that's a really important one, and when you're in isolation, if you've been quarantining, um, you're feeling lonely, might be feeling depressed, you need to reach out to other people. You need to connect with people in general, uh, whether it's uh, getting together coffee at a socially distanced table or it's um, making a, a Zoom call, maybe maybe a few of your friends. Uh, you need to reach out to people that you consider safe, who you could really share where you're at. And as my wife likes to say, uh, let other people be the hands and feet of Jesus for you. Mm. And that can help lead you into a better uh, mindset to pursue the Lord, as we mentioned with Psalm 73. Okay, and so this sounds like you're uh, advising towards human connection. Human connection. Pursue human connection. We've talked about connection with the Lord and going to the Word, but this is a actual, as, as much as possible, especially given quarantine conditions, social distancing, whatever, pursuing another human and fostering that relationship. Absolutely. Prefer that it be a face sort of thing, so maybe a f- FaceTime call, like I said, a Zoom call or something like that. Texting doesn't really get you there. Um, so anything that can be face to face, whether whether it's virtual or actually in person, great makes sense. Okay, Doctor Bolden, we've talked about the issue of loneliness mm-hmm. uh, in the context of depression. You've talked about your own uh, struggle with that as well. Uh, we've talked about how that's been a problem for our culture yeah. in the past many years. It's been a growing problem, especially mm-hmm. among teenagers, which just breaks yeah. my heart. Yeah. Uh, we've also talked about how it's especially bad now that we're in a global pandemic yeah. and we've been asked to isolate and quarantine by our government leaders. Mm-hmm. And also about how it is an issue for those of us right now because it's the holidays. Yeah, And so all these three come together. And so I hope this is uh, hitting your ears, listener, at a, at a good time. But we want you to hear that maybe you should call your doctor and mm-hmm. set up an appointment. Maybe you uh, you should definitely pursue actively experiencing God's presence mm-hmm. in His Word and through His mm-hmm. Word. Go to the Psalms. I heard you mm-hmm. say that, yeah. Dr. Bolden. Uh, Ephesians 3, meditating yeah. on God's love for you, which is great. 
while we're talking about recapping and resource, other resources, Dr. Bowen, uh, there are other resources at our website about loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I believe those that we have are take a little bit of a different slant than mm-hmm. this episode, this conversation we've had today. But there are more resources, listener, at our website, probe.org, which is always replete with lots of other free resources. Please do go check that out. I'm also thinking about our other good neighbors, Hope for the Heart. So there are other lots of counseling ministries mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. check out. Yeah. Listener, you can go to their website, hopefortheheart.org, and there's a lots of free resources that address related issues like this. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you already have a counselor. Maybe this is something you just need to continue pursuing. Mm-hmm. And to, to you, I would say, don't give up. Don't yeah. grow weary in well-doing. For if you persevere, you will receive a reward. Just stay at it. We want to encourage you and want you to continue to think biblically. Really, that's the goal of this podcast and of our whole ministry at Probe. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Bowen, thanks for being with me mm-hmm. today on this episode of Head and Heart. I've really enjoyed it. It's been my pleasure, Paul. Thanks. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. Okay.